This is Annie Stevens Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation here at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer. We continue to have conversation around becoming beloved community. The Episcopal Church's long-term commitment to racial healing, reconciliation, and justice. Becoming beloved community represents not so much a set of programs as a journey, a set of interrelated commitments around which Episcopalians may organize our many efforts to respond to racial injustice and grow a community of reconcilers, justice makers, and healers. In this episode, we are sharing a sermon from our rector, the Reverend Philip Duvall, titled, We're Here to Wrestle. In this sermon, Philip shares that we are often called not to just blindly accept what God is telling us, but to wrestle with God, to push back, to fight back, to fight for our lives, and that our struggle, our striving, and our wrestling are not separate from our connectedness to God. They are intrinsic and central to our connectedness to God. A reading from Genesis. The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. The word of the Lord. A reading from Second Timothy. As for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent where the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, 
but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Christ. Jesus told the disciples a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. God grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we are told a story of Jacob wrestling with God, and in that wrestling receiving a blessing, and we're left trying to figure out what to do do with that. And then we're told this story by Jesus about uh, an unjust judge who doesn't actually care about justice or God or anybody, but who will grant someone what they want just so that he can finally have a moment of rest. And then Jesus calls the persistence and the stubbornness of this widow faithfulness, and we're left wondering what to do with that. I want us to begin with Jacob, because Jacob is our ancestor, and I want us to understand what his name is and what it means for us, and I want us to understand his story more deeply, because Jacob's story is meant to be our story, and we got to know it better, because we should know our story. Many of you remember Jacob as, a, as part of a, a set of twins, Jacob and Esau. They were born together, born on the same day, of course. And, and in fact, it says that the story goes that even in the womb, they fought so much that their mother prayed out to God, if this is what this is going to be like, maybe I should die. That's how bad the fighting was, even in the womb. And the story goes that when Jacob is born, well, we know he's not the firstborn. Esau's born first. But the story goes that as Esau is being pulled into this world, that there's a hand grabbing onto his heel. And it's Jacob, who even on his way in, is wrestling and striving and struggling 
And so they give him the name Yaakov, Jacob, which means he who supplants or he who takes by the heel. That's his name. I want you to imagine for a moment that that's your name. But first, think for a moment about your own name, the name that you've been given, or the names that you've been given, the names that, by which you call yourself, maybe your first name, your middle name, your last name, or maybe the whole package. If you're like me, I mean, my name's Philip, and it doesn't mean much to me personally in terms of, it's Greek, Philippos means person who loves horses. Uh, okay, I mean, that's fine. I, for the record, I like horses quite a bit. Um, but I don't take it as some sort of like deep identity, you know? Uh, but I will tell you this, that my name as a whole, Philip Hart Duvall, has come to take on some significance and meaning to me, even if each separate name doesn't necessarily have some deep significance. Brought together, it has become my name and the name that I have heard called in joy and in sorrow and anger and in happiness. I've heard that name called, and it, it carries with it something carries with it some holiness and some power, my name. For me, it does. Maybe you know what I'm talking about when you've heard your name pronounced, or maybe you've heard your name mispronounced, and you know that it, how it feels then. And my name carries with it a lot of baggage, of course. All of the stories of why I am who I am are carried together with all of my history and my, my family and my upbringing, and it's all there. I can't hear my name without hearing my mother or my father or someone else saying it, and that carries with it some beautiful and some difficult things. But imagine your name is Jacob. Imagine that every time you hear your name, you're reminded that you're the one who tried to supplant your own brother. Imagine that every time you hear your name, you are reminded you're the one who holds on to the heel of someone else and tried to fight your way into this world. And then we hear all these stories about Jacob. Jacob, who never wanted to be second born. And he was only born literally seconds later, holding on, trying to come into the world, but he's not the firstborn. So to him, he does not get the birthright. He does not get the blessing of his family. He does not get the great share of the inheritance. That all goes to Esau because Esau got out just a little bit sooner. And so Jacob's lifelong struggle to be accepted, to belong, his lifelong insistence that he matters, that he is worthy of blessing, that he belongs and that that birthright could just as well be his, his lifelong struggle for acceptance and belonging is boiled down to a name. Oh yeah, that's the one who supplants. That's the one who won't let go of his heel. And all the stories we know about Jacob show this. You remember the story, Jacob is the one who gets the birthright, the inheritance. He tricks his brother, he didn't really trick his brother, he, he convinced, he, does a, he just basically bargains with his brother. His brother is really, really hungry, and he trades him some food for a birthright. So he gets the birthright, and the next story we have of Jacob is the one where Jacob dresses up like his brother and, and tricks his blind old father, into giving him the blessing that belongs to Esau. So the stories we have of Jacob are of Jacob getting the birthright, of Jacob insisting that the blessing belongs to him, and Jacob going out into the world and working for his, his uncle and, 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 and struggling and striving throughout. He, builds, he creates enemies. His brother Esau wants to kill him, and he's out there, and he's in every story we 
have of Jacob is of a man wrestling and struggling and striving. But all of his wrestling and all of his struggling and all of his striving, they are all this stubborn insistence. I matter. I belong. I can be blessed. I can carry the blessing of God. I have this. And yet when we tell the stories in Sunday school or other places like that so often, these stories become just simple moral fables about that guy Jacob. Can you believe he tricked his brother out of his birthright? Or maybe we look at it and go, oh, that Esau, what a dummy, he never should have done that. We turn it into some moral story. We make, it, we make Jacob about a set of things that you shouldn't do. And maybe, maybe if he hadn't been so difficult, maybe his life wouldn't have been so hard. Maybe if he hadn't been so stubborn, maybe if he hadn't been such a wrestler and a striver and a supplanter, maybe if he had just let go of his brother, he's heel, and let things be what they were, maybe he'd have had a much more peaceful life and a much more peaceful name. We turn it into that. Because that's how we are with ourselves, isn't it? That's how I am with myself. Anytime I'm faced with struggle, anytime I'm faced with conflict, anytime I'm faced with pain or difficulty, I go through that existential dilemma of all the things I could have done differently so I wouldn't have had to struggle, to wrestle, to strive. And I go through that with myself thinking, if I can just get my life to the right place of belief and get my beliefs right and then get my actions to line up with my beliefs and then get my community that surrounds me to to live into the same actions and beliefs. And then if I can just get the world to be changed so that it fits with my beliefs and my actions and we're all consistent, then we can live without any difficulty, without any wrestling or conflict. And I have the insane madness of believing that that's a reasonable thing to want. But Jacob struggles and he strives and he wrestles his whole life. And finally, after accruing some amount of property and making a name for himself apart from his family, apart from his brother who he thinks wants to kill him and his parents who he hasn't seen in decades, he makes the decision. He gets pulled back. He says, I've got to go back and I've got to see my family and I've got to see Esau. Even if it's the death of me, I have got to go because that is my family and I belong and I will go. And so the story we have today of him wrestling begins with him sending all of his family across the river and getting them prepared for the next day. The next day, they're all going to march out onto the field to meet Esau. And Esau and his 500 men that are with him, that's usually not a welcome wagon. Jacob is marching possibly towards his death. Jacob is marching with all of his family, all of his loved ones, and all of his belongings, and he's going to present them. Because even then, Jacob just can't do it the easy way. He can't just go one-on-one one one and go like, hey, Esau, let's work this out. He's got to do this in this grand, ridiculous, stubborn, persistent fashion. And he drops everyone off on the other side of the river, and he does what maybe you or I would do the night before the big thing, and he goes to be by himself. Jacob wants a little me time. Fair enough. Now maybe he should meditate. Maybe he should pray. Maybe he should sit down and write a list, a fearless moral inventory of all the things he could have done better and all the ways that he's wronged people and all of the things that he could have done to be a more moral, fine, upright, upstanding citizen. 
Nah, Jacob wrestles. Somebody shows up. We don't know who at first. This person shows up, and Jacob doesn't sit down and say, i got to talk to someone about all this stuff, and he doesn't get into sort of a conversation about the meaning of life. Jacob does what Jacob has always done. He wrestles. He struggles. He strives. He lives into the conflict that is in his heart, and he spends that night sweating and pushing and tumbling and wrestling. And we come to find out in the story that he is wrestling with no less than God himself. Jacob, confronting the truth of himself, preparing to be reunited with his brother for good or for ill. Jacob, looking at the culmination of all of his life to to come, stands before God and instead of dropping at God's knees and saying, I'm sorry or I could have done better, Jacob squares off and goes toe to toe. And they wrestle all night. I really wanted, I love the picture on the cover of the bulletin of these two wrestling. I, I, I really was going to try to get uh, Nancy to put like professional wrestlers and just have like a guy about to body slam someone, like throw him down, but like have this big image of like Jacob and God like doing a suplex and a headlock and stuff like that. But this picture is much better. It's better because it shows the intimacy in wrestling. It shows the difficulty and the struggle, but also the dance and the closeness that is present here. And so Jacob is wrestling with God, and God God is wrestling with him, and it's going all night. And finally, the daybreak is coming, and Jacob won't let go, because of course Jacob won't let go. He's never let go. Why would he let go now? He's the one who takes by the heel. He's the one who supplants. He's the one who doesn't let go. And it creates this wrestle. It creates this struggle and this strife. And so God, like, and you know it's God, by the way, because God just, just does this, like, one little kung fu God move, and all of a sudden Jacob's leg is out of joint, and he walks with a limp for the rest of his life. But God still says, you got to let go. And Jacob's response is everything, friends. I will not let go unless you bless me. And so God says, what's your name? What a point of pain for Jacob. His name, which is the thing that has caused so much trouble for him all his life his struggling and his supplanting. And he says, my name is the one who supplants, who takes by the heel, Jacob. And God says, your name is Israel. And Jacob lets go. And God walks off as the sun comes up. And Jacob limps into his future as Israel. Man, maybe this would be a great gift except you find out that the name Israel, Yisrael, literally means the one who wrestles with God. That's the gift. Wait, what? How about a name like Carrier of the Blessing or like Total Awesome Guy or like whatever, but what could sound awesome, whatever it is, right? There's so many great names he could give him. Numero uno. My special God, he could come up with all sorts of, in Hebrew, it would sound fantastic. Don't worry. He looks at the man who's been struggling all his life, who has been wrestling and striving with God and with people his whole life and who refused to let go. And he looks at him and he gives him the name, the one 
who wrestles with God. Because God says you have wrestled with God and you have wrestled with people and you have prevailed. The blessing that God gives Jacob, the blessing that he gives him that day is not a relief or a release from the struggle. The blessing that he gives Jacob that day is an acknowledgement of who Jacob actually is as one who struggles, as one who wrestles and strives, who's stubborn and difficult and won't let go and who will insist over and over again, I matter, I belong, I have a place in this world, I am part of the blessing and I will be part of the blessing. God sees that in Jacob and he says, that is your blessing. You are the blessing, God says. In giving him this name, He reminds Jacob and he imparts upon Jacob and upon all of us the radical truth that our struggle, our striving, and our wrestling are not separate from our connectedness to God. They are intrinsic and central to our connectedness to God. That our fighting and our wrestling and our trying and our seeking to understand our belonging in this world, our desire, our yearning for justice, for things to be made right. These are not symbols that things aren't going right. These are symbols that we are connected fully to God. In your struggle, you are not alone. You are toe-to-toe with the one who made you. In your stubbornness, in your insistence against all odds that your life is holy, and valuable and meaningful to the one who made you and that you belong in this world, in your stubbornness, you are being so profoundly faithful to God. Jacob, Israel, is faithful to God not because he drops to his knees and says, I made all sorts of mistakes, Jacob, Israel, is faithful to God not because he does all the right things, says all the right things, and thinks all the right things. His faithfulness is borne out in his stubborn insistence that he belongs, in his not letting go to the reality of his blessedness, of his struggle and his conflict and his wrestling with anyone who would threaten the beauty and the truth of his belongingness in this world. And if this is his story, this is your story. You see, Israel isn't just Jacob's name, as you know. Israel becomes the name of the whole people. All of the people take the name Israel. And then when Jesus comes along and Jesus lives for us and dies for us and lives for us again, he incorporates all of us into this. And, and there's this whole reality as you read the creation, the sort of um, the, the formation and foundation of our Christian faith. It's so tempting for us to think that it was just this brand new religion that was started, that there were some Jews and then Jesus showed up and then, and then some Gentiles got involved in this thing and they created this new cool thing called Christianity. But the reality is that the first Christians understood themselves as belonging to Israel. Read Paul's letter to the Roman church and he tells the people in Rome, he says that the people of Israel are like an olive tree and the Gentiles 
who have been grafted into the heart of God and have been incorporated into the body of Christ in baptism, their belonging to God does not create some brand new thing. They are in fact grafted. We are grafted onto the tree of Israel, which is to say we are Israel together. We, our name, we are those who struggle and wrestle and strive. If you're looking for a faith that will get you out of suffering, you've come to the wrong place. If you are looking for a God who will promise you an easy life if you are faithful, you're looking at the wrong God. Our God finds us in our stubborn insistence that we belong and our stubborn insistence that this world is meant for justice and peace, for mercy and love. God finds us there in our striving, in our wrestling, in our struggle, and God blesses us in it. God doesn't say, you shouldn't have those feelings. When you are being assailed by the devil himself and you are tricked into believing that you don't matter and you fight against that, And you say, no, I belong in this world. That is faithfulness. That is your response to God's call on you. That is you you proclaiming your own identity as Israel. When you stand up in this world and insist that you work, that we work for justice in this world, that's not lack of gratitude. That's a stubborn insistence that we participate with God in the work that God is doing. And God calls that faithfulness. Your struggle, your wrestling, it's not going away. And I'm sorry about that. Like, I wish it was. Genuinely. It's not the story we have. The story we have is of a faith where instead of God erasing our struggle, God blesses us in our struggle. This church is undergoing so much work. We're seeking to do really transformative things and thinking about how we can make an impact on this community, and we want to we want to try to figure out how to be more impactful and have our, our missions and our outreach and our work change this world. Us doing that isn't some denial of what we've been. It's a participation in the struggle, which means it's who we are now. Our church has begun this work, this becoming beloved community work, which is a long-term commitment to racial justice and healing and reconciliation. What is that but a wrestling? That's not separate from who we are. That struggle is a part of who we are, and identifying it and acknowledging it is a blessing. We are a church who insists on the blessing. Today, in this space, this afternoon, we're going to have a marriage, a wedding, between two women. Not a lot of churches in America still do that, and I think you know that. We stubbornly insist that God is blessing that. We stubbornly insist that God is present and blessing in that. And God blesses us in our stubborn insistence. And we're coming up on another election year. Whee! And we are a church that insists on telling the truth. And part of that truth is we insist that this community 
is made up of Republicans and Democrats and crazy socialists and ridiculous libertarians and all sorts of independent people and all sorts of wonderful people in the middle. We insist on it. And somehow in the midst of this next election season, we're going to figure out a way to be totally difficult and stubborn and true to ourselves and hold on to each other. You think that's going to come without struggle, friends? Do you think the relationships that we build in this place and the relationships we carry into this world are going to be simple and easy? You know better. You know better. This struggle is our blessing. This work of insistence that we belong, that we are blessed and that we are participating with God in the reconciliation of this world, this difficult, struggling work is who we are. We're not here to apologize for that. And we're not here to ask God to make it different. We're here to wrestle with God with each other and ourselves. Wrestle for truth. Wrestle for love. Struggle with the way things are so that we can know ourselves and our God more fully. And in this work, and in this love, and in this struggling and striving, we will find out who we really are and we will be blessed. In Jesus' name. Join us in our conversations here as we continue our commitment to becoming beloved community at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in the Queen of the Midwest, Cincinnati, Ohio.